0: You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production.
1: I'm one of you. I was my first customer. I designed for me in something that was missing. I had no idea so many women are similar to me. And it's been this unbelievable positive discovery because I was never a girl's girl. I was always a guy kind of girl. And I have literally, I feel like I have brought together all the Tomboys Reunite and all of us who didn't quite fit in with the girls in high school, we've now found each other.
0: That was Kristen Mayer. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative, Welcome and welcome back, Marnie on the Move listeners. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. I am super psyched to connect you with today's guest, Kristen Mayer, founder of Betty Designs, the coolest fashion-inspired badass endurance sports apparel disrupting race courses around the globe. The brand's signature Skull Butterfly Combo logo is my favorite. And well, if you aren't already wearing these awesome kits for triathlon and cycling, I guarantee after this conversation, you will be. Before we get started, shout out to my sponsors, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data. Into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. Use our code for 20% off. Thank you, MOTM. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. Now, back to my guest, Kristen Mayer. Kristen and I sync up about where it all began, her deep roots in the sport of triathlon, and all of the other sports that are currently fueling her for success. And of course, we talk about fashion, design, and the inspo behind Betty Design's many collections, 10 of which came out this past year. We talk about the ups and downs of COVID impacting her business, and Kristen sheds light on her new collection, that came out this January, 2021, BD Lab, designed with runners in mind, but all kinds of fitness and yoga class goers would love it. If you like to look good when you sweat, in great style and design, Betty Designs is definitely for you. P.S. And this could be possibly the coolest thing ever. Kristen designed an in-game kit on Zwift. Okay, I hope you enjoy this conversation and getting to know the uber talented designer behind the coolest kits on the race course, Kristen Mayer. If you like what you hear, leave a review on Apple. It's easy. Share this episode with your friends on your social channels. Just copy the link or take a screenshot and post away and sign up for our bi-weekly newsletter, The Download. Now, onto our conversation. Where did the idea for Betty Designs begin?
1: Well, so funny. So I was, well, I went through a divorce. It was 10 years ago now. And I was freelancing. And all my freelance was graphic design. And I lived in San Diego. I was a total tri-geek. I was immersed in the sport. And um, I had some great clients. But I was juggling, like, 30 gigs at a time, undercharging because I wasn't an agency. Right. And... I met Matt right at the time we got introduced by a fellow cyclist, mutual friend. Um, I met Matt and he is like, of course, he looks me up and he looks up my business and he sits down with me and we're like having lunch. And he's like, so we weren't dating. You know, we had met a couple of times, but he's like, what are you doing wasting your time designing for other people? And I said, what are you talking about? I've been freelancing for like, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years. He goes, yeah, I get it. He said, but you're never going to be able to survive doing that now that you're single mom. He's like, so do you, he goes, why don't you just start your own brand? And I started crying. Oh. I literally just had a meltdown over my sandwich.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And he's just, he just broke it down for me. And he's, you know, I was so overwhelmed. He met me at a very overwhelming time in my life where I just didn't even know which way was up because I was blindsided by the fact that. My son's father was like walking out the door. So I was just like super lost and I didn't want to take a corporate job. And Matt just was like, well, do you, can you get some jerseys made? I go, yeah. He goes, well, I've, I've seen your work. Like you seem like you're pretty talented. I think you should just do your own stuff. And, and I'm like, I don't know anything about running my own business. He goes, what are you talking about? You're doing a freelance business. I go, but I'm not selling anything really. I'm not selling clothing. I don't know anything about, he goes, you know, running a, a legit business. Well, do you know how to get stuff made? Well, yeah. All right, well, why don't you uh, go get some jerseys made if you can sell them? So it was kind of that that sort of thing. And I just did it one little step at a time. And it was out of necessity. It was kind of a side hustle. That's how it started. I did the math and said, okay, if I sell one thing a day, I'll make, I don't even remember what it was. It was like, oh, if I sell one jersey, I'll make 50 bucks. So 50 times seven is, you know, I literally did it that way.
0: That's a great way to get started, though, because I think it's smart. You're yes. not running around like with an idea, trying to get investors. You're actually doing Correct. the work, getting it done, proof of concept, yep. and then yep. it blossomed from there.
1: That's exactly what happened.
0: You said so you were a triathlon geek, so you are rooted personally and professionally in triathlon. Not as a professional triathlete, as a professional
1: designer. No, I was not a professional athlete. Never have been. But I was. I mean, you. Yeah. I was total age group geek. It was like I had to get on the podium every race I towed the line at. I was very serious, quote unquote. But I was fortunate in that I had been given sponsorship opportunities, product sponsorship opportunities being, and, and I'm just going to be blunt. I mean, yeah. I believe being five foot nine with long blonde hair, I, you know, I wasn't the fastest, but I was articulate and friendly and companies gave me stuff to wear. And so I had a couple of key product sponsorships when I was an amateur triathlete. And I was very proud of that. I was very proud that someone would give me clothing and I could represent the brand. And so I kind of came from both sides in that regard. And that's how I sort of started seeding product. It was just with people I knew in the community that I thought would be a great representation.
0: Yeah. I mean, how did you get into design? I mean, I know you've been you were doing that for years before you started your own company. So where did that begin for you?
1: I was always kind of arty kid, like not over the top. I was a tomboy, so I was really into sports, but I loved to draw. So growing up on the weekends, I would lock myself in my room and I would draw. Um, and I was the kid who made the handmade cards for everyone. Like mm-hmm. it's so weird. And when I went to go off to college, my dad's like, you know, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I want to major in art. And he goes, well, <laughs> what are you going to do for a career? And I said, I have no idea, Dad. But I didn't want to go to art school. I was really scared to go to like RISD or Parsons or anything like that I was super intimidated by Mm -hmm. that and I didn't feel I didn't feel like I fit into that I went to Parsons oh you did yeah Yeah, I
0: started in design the program was so challenging and I realized really quickly that I wasn't a designer
1: (laughs) yeah yeah so I think I was not emotionally ready I grew up on the east coast I was very sheltered I never had a job like I sound like a spoiled brat where are you from Weston Mass is where I grew up got it and so I was like, okay, when it came down to looking at colleges, I was like, okay, well, I want to go to a four-year school, but I don't want to go to an art school. So what schools have a good art department? And I had a decent GPA. I mean, now it probably wouldn't get me in anywhere, but I applied to a lot of East Coast schools, smaller ones like BC, Connecticut College, University of Vermont. And then as a joke, I applied to USC because I was always fascinated by California. And that was my long shot because I knew I would get into that school. And when it came down to looking, I got into most of the schools I applied to. I really want to go to Dartmouth, didn't have the grades. And I'm really thankful I didn't get in because I checked out all the other schools, decided I'm not staying on the East Coast. I went out to California with my dad and I fell in love with the landscape. And I said, I'm going to California.
0: I totally don't blame you. <laughs> That's like the old, I would love to live in San Diego, but I'm not there yet. We're trying to convince the 12 year old to, to go there, to, to pick a school there. <laughs>
1: Oh, we're like getting yeah. her on that California
0: track yeah
1: <laughs> well you know it's interesting because if uh, if we were standing in front of each other and me as the awkward teenager you would have been like I can't believe you chose to go to California it just right. doesn't it's so funny it, it feels very natural now and I feel like I've always belonged here but to make that leap of faith it you know I, I was on the younger side for my grade so I was 17 when I got on the plane and went and wow. I was really close to my family. So why I did all those things, I have no idea, but it's amazing because I look at my life now and it's like one decision changed the trajectory of actually my entire family's life because everyone's here now. Oh, that's so
0: awesome. Wow. That's great. Yeah.
1: So back to the career thing, I'm majoring in art, you know, I'm painting and sculpting and lots of nudes. And I was like, I show up at art school and there's nude people every day in the studio and I'm like intimidated and when a male is standing there, I'm leaving part of the canvas blank, because, you know, I grew <laughs> yeah. up on this little conservative town. And, you know, as I went through the program, my dad's like, why don't you just minor in business? So I said, okay, I'll minor in business. And I realized, even though I was in the fine arts program, I really didn't gravitate towards painting and sculpting. I mean, I it was I was fine at it. I wasn't a standout. It wasn't my passion. But I got de- I got introduced to some graphic design stuff. And that's when I started to realize that, more of the commercial side was my calling, but there wasn't much of that at USC and we weren't on the computer yet. So I think it was my, probably my junior year at, no, my senior year at SC. So it was 89. And because of where I grew up on the East coast, my dad says to me, well, you should get an internship, um, My friend, Bobby Greenberg started this company out there called LA gear. I'm going to call him and see if he'll have the internships. So my dad makes the call. I'm not ashamed to tell the story. And I go in and I sit in Bobby Greenberg's office, Robert Greenberg's office. And I remember him from growing up, but I hadn't seen him in, I don't know, you know, 12 years. Mm -hmm. And he offered me a free internship in the ad department at LA Gear. So I did that for my last semester of school. I wasn't paid. I loved it. I did paste up and cutting out copy and you know, did some logo stuff and they they hired me full time when I graduated. I just loved wow, that. I awesome. it. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so that was sort of was one of those things I've been very fortunate. I've stumbled upon a lot of my freelance work and things like that that have totally steered my career in in certain directions and had amazing opportunities. Um, so took the job and about, you know, six months in, he comes wandering. We were like tucked in the back of this huge building. And he's like, so how, how are you liking it here, Kristen?" I said, I love it. And he goes, well, is there anything else you want to do? And I said, you know, I'm really curious about designing shoes. I had no idea what that entailed. He says, okay, we'll move you into product design. We'll just move you right over there right now. So I spent five years designing shoes, at LA gear in the heyday of when they were like the hottest brand on the market.
0: Um, that's very it, cool.
1: <laughs> it was really cool. They paid us well. We yeah. would go to the super show. We were treated like royalty because we were the designers of this hot brand that, Was absolutely booming, so that was really the start, and that's really the foundation of my career and where where it stemmed from.
0: That's great! You're a true designer. Every collection that you put out in Betty Designs is just amazing. I mean, the design is just so great. I love your logo. I love buying myself new kits. Like every time I do a race, (laughs) it's kind of Of course, yes, no, it's like inspiring to buy something new and wear something new for the first time. I I mean, I'm okay with wearing a new pattern not a new style on my race but yeah but no but so your designs are so amazing and very innovative and fun where do you get inspiration for the designs in your collections
1: so it's really interesting I, I dabbled in some freelance for doing some kits for some pro athletes early in my career it was the late 90s and I did a a couple of really ugly things playing with things for Lori Bowden and Peter Reed and Pauline B. Frazier back in that era. But I didn't, there wasn't a lot of technology around in terms of sublimation capabilities and, and things like that. So, you know, my thing has always been when you see that athlete from a mile down the road, A, do they stand out? What they're wearing doesn't stand out. And B, are their sponsors standing out? So that was sort of something that no one taught me, but I sort of came to on my own by watching and being and participating in so many races.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It was like you looked around the field and no one really stood out. Everyone was wearing the same thing. It was boring. My thing was always something different. I personally wanted to look different. So I started making my own stuff when I was racing because I had connections in the industry to get like a one-off kit made, which was really unusual to be able to do that. Right. Because
0: you need to make for a kit. I mean, you need like at least six kits and yeah, right. you need to pay for the design and you need to pay for yeah. the kits. And if you don't have yeah. six friends <laughs> that are going in on yeah. it with you and you're not a coach or you don't have a team, it's yep. like a lot of money to have a couple of kits to wear.
1: Pretty much. And so... You know, I was sponsored by Speedo for a while. Then I was sponsored by Zoot, and they allowed me to make my own stuff, as long as the logo was prominent. And every year, you know, I had it seems like I got a new bike, so I'd have like a new color scheme on my bike. I wanted it to match my helmet, and I wanted it to match my kit. And so I, I kind of did that sort of pro look, even though I wasn't pro. And I wanted to just not look like everyone else on the race course. And that's what sort of was the premise for everything I did when I designed triathlon gear and cycling gear. I want someone to turn their head. They may not like it, but they're going to notice it. And that was, it's not for everyone, but you can't help but take notice. And so that's really kind of was the premise behind my design. And then if I was working with athletes, it was the most important thing was make their sponsor logos stand out because that's, that's what they're doing. They're, They're representing their sponsors. And that was really it. That was the premise behind it.
0: Flash forward 2020, we're going into the holiday season. You have so many different collections and styles. I mean, from the athletes you were designing for back in the day, where do you get the inspo for all of your cool collections? And how many do you have?
1: So it depends on the year. This year, 2020 was a big year for us. It was our 10th year in business, which I can't believe it. It seems like just yesterday I started it. And my goal this year was a lofty one. It was do 10 collections. And that is a pretty monumental task considering it's myself and a consultant doing the business. So there's not, it's not like I have a whole staff and support. And so there was a lot, I put a lot of pressure on myself to come up with something. So in looking at the year I went, I want to come up with 10 kits, 10 collections, but the first kit this year, I went for a black base. It was, it was called the world champion. um, It was the world champion 3.0 design. And basically it came from the world champ stripes that you see in the UCI, the rainbow Jersey, but, it's trademarked, so you can't literally do the rainbow jersey, but the concept of some kind of horizontal stripe element in multiple colors, I did a variegated stripe over black. Then I added in, I always like to add some asymmetry. I look to fashion to kind of see what the trends are happening from couture runways, and there was a lot of ditzy floral happening. I like high contrast. I contrasted the kind of the rainbow stripes, which are a little bit pastel with a black and white ditzy floral on a sleeve and down the side and on one leg panel. So I look at all the different pieces. I don't just take a print or a concept and throw it all over a jersey on every pattern piece, meaning the sleeve doesn't exactly match the chest, which doesn't match exactly the other sleeve. That's always been my approach to design. Because really, in today's day and age, anyone can go out, go to stock, stock imagery. There's a bazillion different places you can buy free, you can do free stock, You could say, oh, I'm going to buy a floral print and I'm going to just slap it on a jersey. I mean, you you can go have that jersey made. And that's fine. There are plenty of companies that do that and they do a great job at it. But that wasn't what I wanted to create. I wanted everything to be a creation from looking at all angles of the design when it's on the body. And then as I kind of went through the year, it was like, "Okay, well, this first collection was a black base. So the second collection, I went, wow, I really should bring some blues into the line for those people that don't like things so girly. So I really methodically think about, even though my designs may not appeal to everyone, if you're not a pink girl, there better be something when you come to the website that's not pink. So that's my approach. I just have to
0: say, as a woman in endurance sports and especially cycling and triathlon, outside of your company, there's really, you know, when you look at some of the other brands out there, I mean – They really do just make pink for women. And even more specifically, I'm talking about shoes. It makes me so frustrated because I'm a size 38. And so none of the cool men's shoes that I like are in my size. And all the shoes for women are pink. And I don't wear pink. Like, it's not my color. But hey.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what's funny? I hated pink.
0: I like your pink. That I do like. Well,
1: the funny thing is... I always say I've made my pink strong because you couldn't have caught me dead in pink until I launched the company. And I made the corporate color pink, but my first kit was not pink. Right. So I try and strike a balance and I have decided to take the approach that, rather than just make it pink for pink sake, it's got to be badass. It's got to have an edge. So that's really it. And as I yeah. kind of went through this year and the 10 different design collections, it was changing the color palette was changing the motif. Some things had more detailed looks than others. We did a, a kit that dropped in March called the flutter by which is my least favorite that I came out with in 2020. It was purple and white and lime green, which mm-hmm. not my favorite. We did it did really, really well, but it had a lot of fine line art of butterflies and some floral motifs in it but again then you know you fast forward to July we did a kit called the ginkgo kit which was it had a huge strong diagonal of four black diagonal stripes on a white on the top part of it I love that one whole, yeah thank you and then the lower half was pink it had a, a, a ginkgo leaf element that was sort of watermarked in there with two-tone pink but to me, it wasn't overtly girly because those black stripes offset it. And from far away, it was just like a screaming athletic uh, yes. statement. Yes, it's very cool. So,
0: My other favorite you. one, I love your collection. I love the Sneak Skin collection and I love Wonder yeah. Betty. <laughs>
1: well, so can I tell you the funny yes, story about yes, Wonder yes, Betty? Yes. Cause this is classic. And this is this is where I feel like I've had a bit of luck or it's intuition that's in my subconscious that I don't really understand. But the concept behind Wonder Betty was started like early in the year before the pandemic hit. And it actually came originally from, I grew up snow skiing and I love retro right. ski clothing, like the padded racing sweaters and the stripes and the chevron. Right, and the I, totally. CB yes. jackets. Yes. So that's where this came from. And I never do red. So I wanted to bring red in. And then... I brought in a subtle leopard print in there because I had to bring an animal skin in because it's very happening. But once I got the kit done, it was going to be called 70 Chalet. But once I got it on the model in the studio, I went, it looks like a superhero kit. It reminded me of the Incredibles. Okay. And right before the the pandemic was just kind of starting, we were shooting it. And I went, I have to call it Wonder Betty. And with this whole lockdown and everything going on, the theme became, became Be Your Own Superhero. I love it. I mean, that's that's really a coincidence, but it's also one of those times. It's the only time I've changed the name of a kit after seeing it in person, uh, but it just felt right. And the whole vibe just really worked with 2020. So,
0: Is that kind of your process? Like you'll design something and then you come up with a name or you come up with the name and like the theme and then you design it?
1: You know, I usually come up with the concept, like I was saying, about the skiing and the retro Mm -hmm. vibe. And then then depending on how the kit turns out, the name comes afterwards, except last January, the world champion. That was definitely a a version 3.0 of a concept we'd run a couple of times over the course of the history of the company. And snakeskin is another one that's evolved over the years. So I do have a couple of those that sort of have permeated over the last 10 years and they show up here and there just because they're my personal favorites. Like snakeskin is one of my personal favorites. To me, it's the ultimate where runway fashion meets sport. Um, Because when I originally did snakeskin, it was geometric. It was much more geometric rather than looking like a real skin graphic. And it was 2012. And it was way before anyone would even think about putting an animal skin on Lycra. (laughs) Right.
0: That's so funny. So, Do you design all of your own prints and textiles?
1: Yes. So I do. And, and it, it really depends. Sometimes I start with a shape and I, I do a repeat and then I add it or I'll, I'll take an existing repeat that I find, but I cut pieces out of it. I add my own elements to it. It really depends. And other times it's so simple as it will be blocks of shapes on a kit where then I'll infuse a watermark of a small repeat pattern. So there's not like a, a, Standard method to my madness it sort of just depends on what I'm what I'm kind of thinking I want to work on and it doesn't always work there's been there's a lot of times that during the year I will come up with something that I think is going to work and I walk away from it like 10 times and I can't look at it because it came out so bad and I'm so bummed right and I go and I have to go back and like tackle it three and four more times before I actually get it to work on a kit yeah so just it can be a big process
0: you mentioned you're doing this it's you and you have yep. one other person on your team. I mean, are you still drawing? Or are you, like, doing it on the computer?
1: It depends. A lot of times I, I thumbnail sketch, like, I'll, I'll do a really, like, and it's so crude. I never post them because they're so crude. It doesn't look like anyone with a design background is drawing them. I'll just draw a super quick, like, jersey silhouette, and I might do a few line shapes on it. Right. Other times I may just start on the computer where I really want to work with, for example, a geometric pattern or... There's a certain flower that I love, and I start with the flower. It kind of changes depending on what I'm working on.
0: You also have so many amazing partnerships that you are working on with brands like Ironman that you've designed kits for, and I've seen in the Ironman shops you've done work with Challenge, and I think yep. I don't know the latest. I mean, I know you've designed your own bikes in the past with yep. Open Cycle and. You've done swimwear with Roka, but uh, swimwear or swim caps?
1: Yeah, uh, we've done sunglasses, and actually, I did freelance and do some swimwear for them that never quite made it. So I've got, I have been fortunate. We've got industry partnerships that support the Betty Squad, the, the team of ambassadors I have. But you know, we did, like you mentioned, uh, a bike with Open last year, and. We're going to be doing another bike this year. Last year's bike was the gravel bike and it was a really simple paint scheme. And then this year they've got a new road frame out and I'm really excited to work on this because again, I'm approaching it like a kit. Like last year, the gravel bike was super simple with three stripes. Basically. Mm -hmm. I really want to do something super intricate and crazy, but I want it to be more of a tonal graphic so that it's not in your face. So it will be something that will be more of a neutral color Since we went screaming pink last year with black, two tones of pink and black, we're going to do something that's more tonal that you could buy this bike and it would match any kit you have. It's going to be a neutral of some sort.
0: You're also designing kits on Zwift, which I love.
1: (laughs) Zwift has been funny because I literally emailed them. Actually, Jason gave me a contact there. I think it's like five years ago now. And I, I reached out to them and I just, I've kind of learned you can just ask and people can say no and it's okay. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I had gotten onto Zwift. I thought it was super cool. And I was like, wow, I would love to have a kit in game. So I wonder if I could do this. So I emailed them and I said, hey – I don't know if you guys are doing advertising partnerships. I'm happy to pay for placement, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, we're too busy. We can't even entertain you. (laughs) And then a couple of years went by and someone who I really respect in the industry happened to be in the business partnership side. And he, he approached me and he said, we'd love to work with Betty Designs. And so I was so blown away. That might be the most exciting thing that happened since Betty Designs came to fruition because we've now had three kits in game, we have a weekly ride that's now going into its third year. But when that avatar showed up wearing one of my designs. I don't know why, but it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I think,
0: I think that would be the coolest thing that would ever happen to me. <laughs> like I'm such, I like Zwift. I like any kind of like integrated sports gaming type things, but I yeah. love Zwift. I've just been trying yeah. to get outside as much as possible lately, but I, I did see that. So your design, it spans a spectrum of everything from clothing to
1: digital to actual gear bikes i yep. mean all of it it's so cool well i hope that if i'm a decent designer i can morph my my ideas into anything that's possible right that's the iron man tagline if you will right but anything is you know yeah. it's it it, it it literally is it's like okay if i can what does Betty look like? I mean, my fantasy is, and I, I, am never afraid to put anything out there. I just haven't found the right partner. I'll, I'll try and look for partners to manufacture things because I'm not a pattern maker. So I don't sit with a sewing machine and do pattern making and all right. of those things. I go to the experts for that, but I ski in stretch pants. I want to design a crazy Alpine ski stretch pants with one of my prints on it. It would be unbelievable to me. I have a couple of pairs of really crazy ski pants that I'm kind of known for in park city. And when I showed up the first time, my guy friends would laugh at me, and now they just kind of know that's my my shtick.
0: So, did you design your f- own ski pants?
1: No, I want to. I just haven't found a partner. So, if you know of anyone in the ski apparel industry, let I know do. I, I do.
0: I know someone in New York <laughs> who does outerwear.
1: Right, right, and that's the whole. That's what it takes. Collaborations. It's just about two different brands being open to working together.
0: Yeah, and you have to put it out there in the universe because that's how things happen.
1: I see I see the brand and the graphics spanning across all the sports I love to do. Right. That's how I look at it.
0: That's awesome. And you're doing what you love, which is so important. Yes. Now, I know that your brand has been available direct to consumer. You've always been direct to consumer. I've never seen outside of at races yes. or specific initiatives or partnerships, you really just sell your stuff on your website online at BettyDesigns.com. Yes. Tell me a little bit about your strategy behind that.
1: So, you know, it's interesting. Early on, I would say, and the, after the first couple of years happened and I realized this thing was going to be a real business so starting in like 2012, I think we did dabble with some wholesale. And what I really learned was a couple of things. One was I wanted to keep my direct-to-consumer line unique to the direct-to-consumer. So meaning if you come to my website, you get you get a certain line of clothing. Like a small mom-and-pop bike shop would come to me and they go, I really want to sell a few kits in my shop. And what I found was one, they'd say they were going to place a big order and the order would be like six pieces. Right. So, which is not a big order. <laughs> it's not a big order. It's very time consuming to build that relationship, get things settled. They would say, oh, I really love, for example, your world champion design. We'd love to have that. And what I would say to the retailers, you can have it, but you can't have it in the same color scheme as my website. And then that way we can kind of cross promote each other. So that was my strategy with a little bit of wholesale selling that I did. We were actually an in-swim outlet for quite some time. I did a couple of unique kits for them that were a little bit more on the boring side, but I also did what I would call like, like they came to me one year, they said, oh, I want your 2017 Kona design. And we did a whole different color palette. So to the consumer, when they went to see that design on their website, it did not look anything like the one that had been in Kona the year before. Because changing a color can really dramatically change the feel of the design. We did that. What I found was, as a small company with not a big staff, it was very time-consuming to manage those relationships, collect money, to do the design part, and I kind of have just decided I need to focus on what I do best and what brings the most bang for my buck with my time.
0: Right. Which is such an important lesson as an entrepreneur, and it can take forever to figure that out sometimes.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I do wish, I do wish I was in more places, and I do wish... But the flip side is I've strategically kept the business on the smaller side because I don't want to manage 12 to 15 people. Management is not my sweet spot. I can tell you that. Yeah. I am say for me, it's it's management and design. Like I just. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and I've kind of learned what my strengths and my weaknesses are. And, and I've also learned at this point in my life, I don't want to be trying to take on money, take on employees and, giant warehouses and buildings and managing all of these things that are going to stress me out. I don't, I mean, of course, you know, I'm, I get stressed out and I'm always worried about the business and it's keeping me on my toes, but I just have never wanted to get big for big sake. Just not been in my plan. You're doing
0: it organically at your speed that works for you, which is great. Yeah. How have you been navigating during COVID? I mean, it seems like since you have a digital business, it's all, a lot of it's online.
1: It is. It was an interesting spring. So when COVID hit, I, I had been doing all the fulfillment out of my house in California. I had one person for the longest time who basically did customer service and fulfillment out of an office on the first level. And we had taken on a second person to strictly do fulfillment. And then my person who had been here for a long time kind of moved into more of a marketing support role and kind of like inventory management. COVID hit, and I literally watched sales go to zero. It scared the you-know-what out of me. Yep. I panicked, and nobody, none of us, had a crystal ball of what was going to happen. All I knew was I, I had two employees under my roof, and I crunched numbers and went, I can probably sustain this for four months, and then I'm, I'm going to be in some trouble. And mm-hmm. I didn't know if sales were going to pick up. And I had been dabbling with moving fulfillment to a 3PL. So we let the fulfillment person go. She was here part-time and she was fairly new and that was terrible. And then the person who had been here a long time, I had to cut her hours way back. And at the end of the day, that didn't work for her. Right. So with really very tiny sales, if any, I was sitting here by myself freaking out and I went, well, I can't pack orders and design and run the business. So I better move this thing to a fulfillment center ASAP. It's not the best time, but maybe it is. And that's what I did. I tagged everything, got it on pallet, and got it out of the house. And then I said a lot of prayers. and just <laughs> went, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to be conservative in my orders. My factory was actually, both my factories were shut down. I didn't right. know when I was going to get anything out of the factories. It was really like, a holy crap moment where I don't, I I don't know. And I really thought I was going to lose the business. Wow. But it was amazing to me what has come out of this. I put my energy with factories down and inventory not coming in. I put my women are such social beings. I feel like we really need our girlfriends. We need our communities. This is true. Yeah. And I just started. I've always been the one that's done the social media. I've interacted with the, you know, the DMs and I haven't passed all of that off because I want to have the interaction. I don't do all the customer service things that come through the help desk. Right. But the the one-on-one stuff that comes through social or the comments that get posted on something that I put up, I like to respond to. Right. And I just started doing more of that. I became more involved with anyone who was Still, you know, was around and wanted to share. We had our ambassadors, and last year the group was 125 deep. Racing clearly came to a halt. The girls really were upset. Everyone was affected by that, Um, including myself. I'm sure you were as well. Yes. Everyone was lost. But these girls bonded like I've never, ever seen in terms of being there for each other. People lost jobs, a lot of job loss, a lot of just what am I going to do with myself because I don't have triathlon right now. But everyone came
0: together. Everybody came together. As an entrepreneur, (laughs) these things happen all the time. I mean, not COVID, but kind of like have to ebb and flow. And I think at first, I had just been training for a marathon, my second marathon, and I had just finished my last 18-mile run. And then I I already knew this was happening in, like, January. I saw it. So I was not <laughs> surprised. I mean, not from the business perspective, but from a training perspective, I was not surprised that, like, races were being canceled. Yeah. And I just knew that it was going to take everything in me to stay motivated because the races are what keep me motivated in my business and everything else. So, like, when... Yeah that kind of goes, you're like, Oh my God. But it took me a few months. I definitely was in a deep hole and I thank God for yep. Zwift because <laughs> Yep. that's all I have to say is like, thank God for Zwift. But, uh, well, I know I, I got yeah. it together, but yeah, I mean, people were like definitely down and out.
1: Yeah. It was, it was hard. It was hard to watch some of the Betty ambassadors who were really struggling. I mean, just, and relatively speaking, I, you know, I, I've had my own set of struggles, but, right. um, I find a way to keep my head down. I actually poured my energy into the business. I never lost the focus on that. And I've worked more than ever, which maybe has not been the healthiest this year. But at the end of the day, it's kind of being at home most of the time and not being able to go out. It's like you might as well put the focus where you need to put it right now because right. the opportunities here and the opportunities now. Right.
0: And it goes back to like doing what you can when you can yep. and what you're good at. Yep. So, yeah.
1: Yep. And my son went off to college. So he was one of the few that actually got to go. So I mean, I had an empty nest and I actually had more time, which I thought I was going to use in quite a different manner, which turned into mostly work this year. But you know, there's always next year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's always next year. We're looking f- to the future. I know that you have something big that you're launching. I don't know if you're still launching it in 2021. The Lux Athletic Apparel BD Lab. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: So clearly as being a triathlete, one of my loves has always been running and everything I do at Betty comes from a very personal place, almost to a fault, but not everyone knows it comes from such a personal place, but this is kind of funny. So I love loud kits. I love loud race kits on the triathlon course. I love loud cycling kits. But when I run, I run in all black, head to toe, and always Lululemon. This has been going on for years. I dabbled in the printed tights. Thing, probably three two years ago now and you know they were lycra they were sublimated they weren't I'm really picky I like a little bit of compression I like seamless I like woven I don't like sublimated lycra printed tights. they don't hold me in I, I, I just I'm not a huge fan so I've really wanted to do a seamless slight compression, real athletic apparel line, but it took me a while to find the right resource. Right. So I had a woman who comes from that side of things. She helped me, she introduced me to a factory and that was really what happened. And I went, well, is this really the time to do this? But I have been waiting to do this for years. And I finally found my resource and I said, you know what, if I don't invest in this company today, it's not going to be here tomorrow. So let's just go for it is what I decided. Okay. So we are launching the line, things got delayed a little bit. So everything is now sitting at the warehouse, but rather than rush it to get it launched in the beginning of December, which we realized wasn't gonna happen exactly when I wanted, we're waiting. In January 1st, it will launch. I'm in love with the garments personally. For like everything I do, they're probably not for everybody. If you live in in Hawaii and you're a runner, a lot of runners never run in tights or capris. True runners love little running shorts. Eventually, we will do a short, but right now, we're going to have capris, full-length tights, a bra, a tank, and I did a onesie, a performance onesie, because I just think they are the sexiest, most versatile garment on the planet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Since you just mentioned onesies, all of your kits now, all of your triathlon and bike kits are the one pieces, right? Yeah. Like the, the yeah. bib shorts. So. I have never worn those. And I was reading on your website that it says, like, once you try them, you'll never go back. Can you explain that to me? Because I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get one because I love the styles.
1: It's really funny. So this is years ago now. I decided that I was looking at the line offering and I went, okay, true cyclists wear bib shorts. And mm-hmm. I had never worn a bib short. Because it's, right? triathletes don't wear bib shorts. No, You know, you just don't.
0: So exactly. I finally
1: decided <laughs> to make my own. And I wore them. And once I wore them, I didn't go back. Because you're not tucking and pulling and adjusting everything. You can ride. And if your jersey moves around, you're not getting that little sun hitting your lower back. Everything stays in place. I get asked all the time. And I'll just be blunt. What do you do when you have to go to the bathroom? Well, guess what? As a woman, you got to stop and pull stuff down anyway. Right. You take off your jersey. You pull the straps down. It's like an extra, I don't know. It doesn't take me very long. I can tell you that. So I decided to put a stake in the ground and say, with my cycling stuff, I'm only doing bibs. We do offer um, one non-bib cycle short that's in black with gold logos for those who just literally will not wear a bib short. Because you have to, to kind of say, okay, I'll offer one basic. Right. And then, ironically, when I raced triathlon, I never wore a one-piece suit. Right. I, was young, I never did either. So I, yeah. No. I raced in a bikini for years and then it was a bra top and these little shorts. I mean, it's embarrassing now, but I did. I love a sleeved skin suit. I think they're sexy. They hold everything in place. You're not, again, you're not fussing when the garment, when you're running or riding, it just stays. Interesting. It offers extra sun protection. And again, if we have to go to the bathroom, you got to go to the bathroom. (laughs) You got to pull something down.
0: (laughs) There are definitely times where I don't. Stop to go to the bathroom. Correct. You know, I'm not going to get into that, but like, yeah, I mean, so whatever. Okay, I got it. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do find myself fussing with my shirt when I'm running, like pulling it down if it's riding up or like stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So we get it all the time. Why does my tri top ride up? I have an old blog post I wrote about this. So the thing about a tri top riding up is we are all shaped differently. The tri top is supposed to be tight to function properly. I happen to not be straight. I have a little bit of a waist. So when I run, that top will shimmy up a tiny bit because my waist is smaller. It'll just want to go to that comfortable spot. And my entire, you know, 20 years that I raced, I tugged at my top all the time. It just is what it is, right? I never even thought much about it. It's just part of the sport. It's like when you run through the aid station and your half your drink goes on your face. It's just like part yeah. of the sport <laughs> and the shtick. So yes. I... Um, I'm just like people write in and they're really angry because our tri-top rides up and I think it's a manufacturer's defect. I, I don't know how you make a top that will sit in place on when they're running. Yeah.
0: It's not like unique to your brand to Betty designs. Not at all. Yes.
1: No. So wear a one piece tri-suit. It's not going to move. They're friggin fantastic. And you know, Women, I feel like, are always really self-conscious about our bellies, and you know, when you're racing, times you get a little bloated. Let me tell you, these things are magical; they just hold it all in. <laughs> I, I'm to,
0: you're definitely selling me on the one, on the on the bib shorts. You're definitely selling me.
1: You got you got to try them, Marnie. I'm telling you, you're not going back. All right, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna you. put it on my list, on
0: my Christmas list. You do such an amazing job on digital. I mean, you have a podcast, you have a really cool Vimeo channel that is all kinds of videos, and I. You're using a drone to take, which I have on my wish list also, but where it's illegal to have a drone in New York City, but I'm, I feel like I'm <laughs> going to do it anyway and see what happens. But I mean, you have such cool content besides just design. Like, what is the, what, how do you do that? Like, what's your thought process around the content that you create and the digital channels that you're using to kind of build a culture around your brand?
1: So I mean, marketing's been part of part of my career. Also, it goes—I believe it goes hand in hand with design a lot of times. Um, and it's just, I'm I'm very much an observer, and I love brands in general. I love fashion brands, sports brands. Um, I love magazines. I'm always watching what everyone else is doing. My husband is insanely talented. I did not know this when I started dating him, but he is a veterinarian radiologist, and he he was traveling and doing photography like travel photography for himself and when we got together he's like you know I've dabbled in photography I can try and take some of your studio pictures and we literally started with a sheet hanging in the bedroom when we cut my head off I'm not kidding <laughs> so he he is one of these people that can read and or watch a video and learn something and he immerses himself with like a 10,000 hour rule in a very condensed amount of time and becomes an expert. Wow. I don't know where he finds the time or the brain space. We talk about this all the time because I'm the opposite. When I am not working, I like mindless things. I don't want to learn anything else. I want to shut it off. Right. So he is pretty much self-taught. And over the years, I've always had I've always had an eye for a very commercial look, a very photography that's done in the studio with a clean background and very poppy flash and lighting. And so I would just, I'm always pulling, I'm always pulling tear sheets and pulling things and saving things on Instagram of looks I like and lighting. And he's just, I'll say, Hey, can you do this? Can you figure out how they lit this? And he's like, I'll figure it out. That's literally what we do. That's amazing. Yeah. And there's nothing cooler than a drone. I'm no. since a little bit chilling out on the drone only because I'm always mad. I'm actually going to post something on my personal Instagram tomorrow. This is a drone shop that's amazing, but you can't see the kit at all.
0: Right, right, because it's so high up. But
1: So it's so high up, but they are so flipping cool. Yeah. And so part of creating this digital brand was, okay, where do we need to be? I mean, obviously, I launched my brand on Instagram. I was in the right place at the right time, so Instagram and Facebook. I'm on Twitter, but I don't focus that much on it. It's an afterthought. I'm on Pinterest. With me being, which I went very reluctant to do this and telling my story and putting myself out there behind the brand a lot more, I had to tell my story and talk about who I am. I do believe that people connect to other people, not just a brand. I 100% agree. Yeah. And women especially. Again, it's back to the women's thing. I really think we're different than men.
0: We really are. When I listen to your story, like, I mean, I always have loved, like, your design, right? Like, I love Betty Designs. I think the clothing's amazing. The kits are amazing. Since I was connected with you when I first started doing triathlon years ago. But hearing your story and dialing into the brand, it makes me want to support the brand even more because it's so inspiring and you are an athlete and you, like, walk the walk or run the run. I mean, it really does make a huge difference.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I, I really do. I, I really always say to the ambassador, you know, every year we've got new people that come on board. I'm one of you. I'm literally, I was my first customer. I designed for me in something that was missing. I had no idea so many women are similar to me. And it's been this unbelievable positive discovery because I was never a girl's girl. I was always a guy kind of girl.
0: That's me. Yep. <laughs>
1: And I have literally, I feel like I've brought together all the tomboys reunite and all of us who didn't quite fit in with the girls in high school. We've now found each other. And going back to the telling the digital story, it's, it's not just pictures. And as I age, I'm getting more self-conscious about being in pictures and I need to use models that are inspiring to me. And I get criticized for my choices, but I'm not, I'm not going to overly defend who I pick. I love the people I use. There's a reason I choose them. And and I'm not going to apologize because they all might fit into a size smaller, medium. medium. Each of these women have a story and they're really inspirational to me and they're true athletes. And so I want to make sure that if I'm going to be this behind this brand, like you said, I'm running the run. I'm biking on the bike. I'm, I practice what I preach. And I do love the endurance lifestyle. I may not race triathlon anymore, but my husband and I do do some gravel events. I'm still a very motivated person to be in shape especially as I age and I have to change things up now. I'm doing more weights than I ever have. But right. it's important for me to talk about those different things. Video's been a great resource for us to do some fun, fun things. And a lot of these smaller women's brands don't do video. It's very expensive to do it. Yeah. And I'm fortunate because my husband and I work together as a team on that. And right. he charges me. He's not charging <laughs> he me a the commercial business. rate. Yeah, <laughs> He charges me. I yeah. get the invoice.
0: Everyone's been telling me to you know, do video of the podcast or just do video. And I really am a behind the scenes kind of person. Like I spent my whole career in marketing and PR and I like to make people famous and put them on the screen and, you know, get them on the camera on air or whatever it is. And I like, you know, started the podcast and a lot of people that listen were like, you should, I do the things I have to do to promote myself and my brand and all the things that I preach, I practice. But video is one of those things that is just like, I just haven't loved the way people are doing it that don't have like this really great skill set or great budget. or great and, yeah. and so it's just hard for me to like throw things out there as a perfectionist. I agree. And, and so yep. I think, you know, you're really doing video right. It looks great.
1: Well, thank you. Well, you notice I don't do, I don't do Instagram live. I don't do, a lo- I, I'm a lot. not a selfie person. I can't, right. I personally, it's just not for me. But I do have to do a video and this is on the list to do as soon as in the next couple of weeks, I need to do a talking video of me talking about the BB Lab launch that's coming up and what makes these products different. And I'm dreading it because me talking when you're supposed to look off camera and these, all these things, it's yes. really hard to do. Yes. It's really, really hard and I can be incredibly self-conscious. If I'm just talking to you in a room, I'm fine, but you put a camera on me and I kind of tense up. So it's it's not easy to wear all those different hats.
0: But as an entrepreneur, you have to. Yeah.
1: You kind of have to. And I think for me it's going to be good and and you know what? I'm not going to be perfect and that's okay because none of us are.
0: But I think that your consumer, like your customer, they're in. Like they're yeah. they're invested. They're like they have skin in the game, like they love the brand and they want to hear from you and know yeah. that you are real and authentic. I love that you are into gravel and your video about mountain biking and you were like riding up the mountain but then you were like I don't really care about going down.
1: I hate going down.
0: <laughs> you hate going down. That's so funny. That's so funny. So, are you, so you're not doing triathlon anymore. Obviously no. you know endurance sports have been a huge part of your life and inspired your entire amazing globally renowned fashion line. So what are you doing now?
1: So we are still, I still have a fixation on the Belgian waffle ride. It's a homegrown event here in San Diego. They have a triple that was supposed to happen in 2020. It did not happen, which means there's three locations. I'm hoping it'll happen next year because I'm getting older and I'm not sure how much longer I can do this crazy stuff. Because It's just really time consuming. I don't want to just show up and try and ride 140 miles with half of it on dirt. It's a really, it makes for a really long day. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. So. And I like doing it with my husband. He doesn't like it as much as I do. And I think he's probably over it, but he'll probably indulge me maybe through 2021. And then I'm going to have to move on. So the gravel stuff I like, I run. Right now my priority is riding the bike, which means I don't run as much because when I run more, my cycling suffers. It's just the old triathlon game. I do miss swimming. I fantasize about doing a triathlon again, but I can't imagine. I'm not a half-assed person, so I can't just participate. I have to try and do the best Right. You have to win. Well, I have to do the best that I'm capable of. And that requires following a training program for me and ticking the boxes and doing all the right things. It's just how I am. And that makes you and suffering. I want to self-inflict the suffering, not because I didn't do the work to get to the starting line. So there's two different ways to suffer. Right. Yes, this is true. The other thing is I'm learning how to skate ski, cross-country skate ski. It's incredibly humbling. I don't spend enough time in Park City to do that right now. I'm, ho- You know, I do it probably five to seven times a year for 20 minutes a pop, which is not enough to get very good at because it it's challenging. I'm working on that. I used to dabble in some alpine ski racing very recreationally, and I kind of think it would be fun to go out there and try and see if I can ski gates again. It's been like almost 30 years, but it'd be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. So I don't sit still. It's just how I roll.
0: That's great. So you don't know meditation for you, or do you also meditate?
1: I will say during this trying year, I did, I have downloaded the Headspace app, right? And as far as the meditation goes, I've gone through phases where in the morning before I get out of bed, I've done a 20 minute Headspace. And I really love Andy, the founder. Yeah. Andy. I love put his voice. Yeah. Um, so in terms of me really <clears> meditating <throat> and doing yoga, no, but I realized that I run pretty hot and I run a little bit, a little bit too anxiety ridden sometimes. So I've got to start counteracting that a little bit here and there for not only my well-being, but those around me.
0: Yes, I think I'm like, I think, you know, if one more person, I just asked you about that because I just interviewed someone who is an open water swimmer and she does the Wim Hof method. And she's Ah. like, she doesn't she's like badass, like she doesn't wear a wetsuit. And she swims in like 40 degree water. for like miles. No, I mean, not me (laughs) either. I don't understand it at all. And I mean, I'm, you know, in 80 degree water, I'm freezing, I'm in a wetsuit in the pool. So like, for me, that's like, not I can't even imagine. It's one of the things that I like tell myself things are in my mind, but like I really don't believe that sometimes. So So what do you think your next sport will be when Matt is done with the gravel racing and stuff? You think alpine skiing?
1: Yes, but I hate being cold. I've got some good gear now. I hate to admit this to myself. I'm slowing down. I'm really lucky. It's taken me I'm fifty-three now, so I'm finally starting to slow down. I look at my mom. My mom never like traditionally worked out while she was raising us, but she's seventy eight this year, and you look at her and she's still wearing the same pair of white denim jeans that she's worn when I was little. So I have genetics in my favor. She doesn't sit still. She just putters around the house and is like a little energizer bunny. so right. I don't I don't really know. I want to do a little bit of downhill ski racing for fun. I love skinning up the mountain. so you skin up, do some backcountry, come back. I, I'm really liking that again, and I I do want to get back into running quite a bit. I really enjoy running, and I'm really lucky that I can still do it. I have a lot of triathlete friends who are my age. Their knees hurt and their hips hurt, but I don't have that problem yet, knock on wood.
0: My inner ankle is, like, not cooperating with me since, like, August, and it's because I was moving boxes, and so I just started running again, like, this week, and all I'm doing – I love running. That's, like, my
1: happy place. Yeah. It's like meditate. I call it meditation in motion.
0: Yeah, totally. But yeah, I'm just running every day, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. One mile, three miles, however I feel in that moment. Definitely not more That's than awesome. four miles. And it yeah. could be a run with my dog. It could be a run. We just got the Peloton treadmill. And it's oh, like, awesome. I'm so glad I have it <laughs> because living in New York City, you cannot... Like you couldn't get outside; it was like just nuts. I mean, and if you did, it was like yeah. so many people like on top of each other. So I'm excited to rock awesome. my Betty designs. Yes, and you're
1: gonna have to try some
0: bib shorts. We're gonna get know. on that. I'm, I'm I'm doing really it now. With that. I'm working on it. I'm <laughs> making my list. Thank you so much, Kristen. This has All right, been thanks, awesome. Marnie. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move. For Facebook and Instagram, and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com, for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.